Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Good morning. I want to uh, ask you as we're sitting here, I want you to just close your eyes for a second. Or for more than a second, actually. Close them for a, until I tell you to open them. Um, and I just want you to... We're bringing in a lot of chaos and busyness and stress and all kinds of things that have been happening this past week or month. Uh, and so as we, as we begin, we open God's Word together. I want to just uh, have you take a nice, slow, deep breath... And think about where you are right now. Maybe feel the pew that you're sitting on. Think about who's sitting to your right and left behind you. And just that we're here in this place. And now I want you to think about the, the conflict that seems most present for you today. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's an argument that you're having on your way to church. Uh, maybe it is a co-worker that you haven't been getting along with or, or just a, a, something that you have to get done. You forgot to turn the oven off or whatever it is that is uh, most pressing for you right now. Uh, now I want you to think what if you could just snap your fingers and bring about a solution for that problem what would it be maybe it's just getting rid of the person that is causing conflict or just think think about what that would be what would bring peace to that conflict right now and you can open your eyes And I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Our Advent theme today is peace. And peace comes because there was conflict. Uh, There was chaos, and order is restored, bringing about peace. And so as we open our Bibles to Luke chapter 2... We open into a world of chaos, of conflict. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. So these are uh, familiar words for most of us. If you've been around the Christmas story at all, this is, these are words that, that we know. Uh, and we often gloss over this first part. It's just sort of the introduction or, or really just kind of the, the way that Joseph and Mary and eventually Jesus get to Bethlehem so that the prophecy could be fulfilled that he would be born in Bethlehem, from the line of David. 
Uh, but there's actually a lot going on here that, that we don't often stop to, to think about. Uh, today, when we have a census, what do you do? What's that? Yeah, you fill out a census form. You, you mail it in, and, uh, and then it's done, and you've done your part. Uh, in, in the ancient world, when you had a census, uh, well, why do we have a census, first of all? Let's, let's think about that. Pay taxes, right? We have a, t- a census because they want to know who's living here and they want to know how they can tax us. Uh, this, is true for, uh, this was true for the first century as, w- as well. The point of the census, and the reason they had to get up and move, is because we're told that it's Caesar Augustus. The Roman emperor wants to know how much money he can get from his subjects. And he wants to know how many subjects he has so that he can know how much he can get from them. And the reason he wants to uh, get money from his subjects is so that he can continue to keep peace in the Roman Empire. And the way that he kept peace in the Roman Empire is by paying his soldiers who kept peace because if you uh, broke the peace, those soldiers would come and they would kill you. And so you didn't want to be killed by the Roman soldiers, and so you kept peace. And so the census is a way in which Caesar keeps the peace. He's maintaining the status quo. He's maintaining stability. And especially in uh, Judea at this time, we have records of if you... Uh, sorry, I'm still fiddling with this, and I'm just going to try to fix it once and for all and not have to touch again. Uh, if you didn't go and register for the census, we have records of this. What they would do is they would come, and they would burn your house down, and they would kill your cattle or steal it, and, uh, and then you'd have nothing. And so you would go and you would register because you didn't want that to happen to you. Uh, and so you would also keep the peace by complying with the census. And so uh, Mary and Joseph and, and eventually Jesus are in Bethlehem, and they, uh, they register. But we also have examples. Uh, sorry, one more time. Maybe it's my ears. I don't know. Uh, so we also have examples from around this time, from around the time that Jesus was born, that they would have censuses uh, in which some people didn't register. And we have record of, that Josephus tells us of one census at least where the Jewish people revolted and they rioted and they said, we're not doing this, we're not participating in this. And, uh, and there's a big uprising and the Roman soldiers came and they restored peace the way that Roman soldiers do. And so when we read these phrases, uh, these first four verses here of in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. Uh, we're not just talking about filling out a form and sending it in, but we're talking about life and death. We're talking about the way in which Caesar uh, brings about order in the chaos of the Roman Empire. And now I want you to think about the way in which we hope to bring order to our own chaos. And I ask you to imagine the chaos that's happening in your own life right now and imagine the solutions. Uh, Oftentimes, what we just talked about are the way that we often want to bring about order to our own chaos. Maybe we want to bring about order to the chaos in our lives by becoming like Caesar and saying, okay, everybody get in line 
do the thing that I'm telling you to do. And if everybody just follows my instructions, we're going to have peace. And if you don't follow my instructions, we'll eventually have peace, but you're not going to like it. And we try, to, we try to order and dictate and direct and manage and overwhelm one another in order to bring about peace to the chaos in our own lives. Or perhaps uh, you're less Caesar-oriented and you're more uh, along the lines of uh, what most people did and say, okay, well, here's the conflict and I'm just going to do whatever I have to do in order to make sure that things don't get crazy. So I'm just going to follow the instructions that I'm going to do, and, and we'll have peace because I am just not making waves here. Or perhaps you're like the Jewish revolutionaries who say, I don't like what's going on here, and so I'm going to fight back, and I'm going to bring about peace by trying to overwhelm Caesar and I'm going to accomplish peace this way. These are often the ways that we respond to whatever the conflict is in our own lives. We try to fight back. We, we run from it. We hide from it. Uh, we, we find ways to, to organize the chaos in a way that brings about peace. Now let's look at the rest of the story and, and see how does God respond to the chaos of this world. Verse 5, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of, heaven, of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Okay, so how does God respond to the chaos? He responds with a baby. His response to the chaos of the Roman Empire, his response to the chaos of the sin that was enveloping the world at the time, is to send this baby. God does not stand from afar and say, snap his fingers and say, get rid of the chaos. Instead, he sends a baby. He comes himself in flesh and bone and blood. A child, a human being coming into the midst of the chaos. 
And he sends this baby. And the angels show up to the shepherds. And pay attention to what he says. This angel. He says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For all the people. This baby that God sends to bring order to the chaos is not just good news for some of the people. Which is often how our peace works and how Caesar's peace works, right? The peace of Caesar is good news if you're Roman, if you enjoy the blessings of the Roman Empire. But if you're, if you're not, and you're the one that's just paying the taxes and trying to survive, this is not good news. But the peace that God is sending is good news for all the people. The peace that the, that the revolutionaries want to bring is good news maybe for the revolutionaries, but not so good for the people who they want to overthrow. The peace that we want to maintain by just maintaining the status quo and not making waves isn't really good news for anybody because the conflict is still there. We're just not doing anything about it. But the peace that God brings, we're told, is good news for all the people. And that this baby was not just for the shepherds. If we continue reading, it's not just for Simeon. But this baby was good news for the Caesars and for the Herods of the world as well. And so as, as Luke begins his story, and here in the beginning of Luke we have Caesar talking, if we were to continue through Luke's telling of this story, through the book of Luke, through his book of Acts, we end with Paul in Rome waiting to stand trial before Caesar to proclaim this good news that was for him just as it was for the shepherds. It's for you and me just as it is for the people who are causing chaos and conflict in our lives today. And the way in which God brings about peace is not by overwhelming his enemies, but by sending this baby who would one day grow to be a man and would go to the cross. And on that cross, while being persecuted by both the Romans and the Jews, he would hang on that cross and he would say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. From that cross, he would offer forgiveness and love for the ones who were his enemies. And this is the way in which he accomplished peace. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes to this church and he says, to a church of uh, all kinds of conflict itself. He says, For he himself is our peace. He's made the two groups one. These, these Gentiles and these Jews have been made one. He's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, 
thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. And the way in which he accomplishes peace is through taking on himself the violence of Caesar. Taking on himself the violence of our world. Not overwhelming it, but receiving it. In response, returning forgiveness and love. And that this message of good news, this peace, is for you as much as it's for your enemies. And he invites us, as we read in our Advent reading this morning, he invites us to be makers of peace. Doers of peace. People who live out this peace that he has accomplished. And he invites us to do it in the same way. That we respond to our enemies with love, with forgiveness. He respond, that we respond to the conflict in our world, not necessarily by overwhelming it, but by suffering with those who are our enemies. Jesus doesn't hide from the evil in our world, but he comes in flesh and blood and he confronts it. And he invites us to do the same. He invites us to participate, uh, to hear the message of peace, to receive the message of peace, and then to live this message of peace. Our choir is going to sing to us. It's going to tell us the story again of the incarnation and the coming of this baby who brought peace. As we hear these songs, I want you again to be uh, welcomed and invited in to that story. Hear that story yourself and find your place in that. Find your place amidst the chaos and the peace that comes through this baby. Let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, this season where we take time to remember your goodness. We take time to remember the love that you showed. And God, as we walk out of these doors with still chaos roaming around through our lives, may we hear this morning the message of peace. And may you give us wisdom to know how we might bring about peace into the chaos of our own lives. pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much, John, choir, and all who participated today. Uh, such a wonderful part of the Christmas celebration is the wonderful music we get to share and enjoy and the message from God's Word. I'm going to ask you to stand and be dismissed at this time in prayer. When I was in uh, my senior year of college, I was doing the youth work part-time at the Brian Bible Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan by Grace Bible College. Pastor Vern Schutz was the pastor. And uh, we were asked to narrate, as Teresa did today, we were asked to narrate the Christmas program. He had a part and I had a part. He had a part and I had a part. And uh, I got up to read one of my parts, and I read from the Gospel of Matthew. And as soon as I sat down, Pastor Schutz jumped up, and he read when he wasn't supposed to read. And I realized afterward I had read the wrong passage. I was supposed to read 
Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, but instead I read Matthew 21. And so he got up and, and covered for me. But what I read was this. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Maybe that wasn't such a bad mistake. Every year when we celebrate the incarnation, the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ, we remind you it is part of a larger story. And in two weeks, when everybody puts their Christmas decorations away and all the Advent scenes and the Bethlehem scenes get put back in the box, the story continues. As they just sang to us, from the cradle to the cross, the story of the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, his advent to Jerusalem, his offer of himself, his sacrifice on the cross, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that's the entire story. Hosanna. He came into his own, but his own received him not. But to all who received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God, children of God. That's what Christ has given to us this Christmas season. And I would want to make sure as we leave this morning that if there's anybody here You've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. That is the rest of the story. He came for a purpose. And the purpose was the cross of Calvary, where he paid for my sin and he paid for your sin because God loves you so much. He rose from the dead and he offers you freely eternal life and the power to become one of his children and to live a life that pleases him as part of his family. Heavenly Father, this morning we have shared in this beautiful music, but it's the beautiful story that it points to, the beautiful story of our beautiful Savior, the lily of the valley, Christ our Lord, Jesus Christ, Yeshua the Messiah, the Christos. And Father, we come now as we leave this place, we leave with rejoicing in our heart that you loved us so much and you love us so much today. And there's nothing we can ever do to make you love us more because you love us unconditionally by your wonderful, marvelous grace. And I do ask as we leave this place today, if there be a person here who would like to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they would come and speak with us. But they would just say yes Yes, yes to you right now. Yes, God. I may not understand it all, but I understand my need. I understand that Christ died for me, and I would love to receive forgiveness for sins and eternal life and become part of your family. May they make that decision before they leave this place today. We go forth rejoicing, marveling, and wondering at the incarnation of God become flesh. And we look forward to continuing to celebrate and to marvel in the week to come 
We have gathered today in Christ our Savior's name. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to him who comes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now all God's people can say it together. Amen. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And come back next Sunday and celebrate Christmas Eve with us.